for us. We are not as those who have become absent-minded. We remember where you, where we were when you found us, when you picked us up, changed us, turned us around, placed our feet on solid ground. This morning, we are grateful believers because you didn't have to do it, but we're so glad that you did. Thank you, Father, for looking beyond our fault and seeing our need. And thank you for the reminder that if it had not been for your grace, we don't know where we'd be. Now, Lord, it's preaching time, and we need for you to do now only what you can do. As my friend Bishop Dickerson would say, would you stop by and throw your weight around in here? Somebody needs a word this morning. Somebody's made some mistakes this week and want to correct them, Lord. Somebody's discouraged and they need to be picked up, brushed off, and sent on their way. Now, if you'll stand in your preacher and giving preaching power, then preaching will be done. And we'll be mindful to give you all the honor, to give you all the glory, and to give you all the praise. And everybody in love with the Christ said amen, amen, amen and amen. How about that praise team? Let's give them a hand this morning. Thank you ladies for laboring for me. I appreciate that. Your Bibles, please, if you'll open them to James chapter 3. Remain standing with me just a few seconds. James chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. We are in an eight-week preaching series titled, A New Way to Live. A New Way to Live. And today, I'm going to get personal. Somebody say, don't do it, Reverend. Don't do it. Yeah, I'm going to talk to you today about controlling your tongue. Controlling your tongue. So go ahead right now, look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, he ain't talking to me, he's talking to you. He's talking to you. You got a problem, neighbor. And it's your tongue. It's your tongue. All right. Don't hit him. Just talk to him, all right? Just... James says this in James chapter 3, verses 1. My brethren, let not many of you become teachers knowing that we shall receive, teachers that is, a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many things. Can I get an amen? If anyone does not stumble in word, then he's a perfect man and able also to bridle the whole body. James is being funny right there. You know, okay. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look also at ships. Although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Well, even so, the tongue is a little member, and it boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire can kindle? And the tongue, here it is, is a fire. Somebody say a fire. fire. It's a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body. And it sets on fire 
the course of nature and it is set on fire by hell itself or by hell. For every kind of beast and bird of reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and it has been tamed by mankind. But no man can tame the tongue. It's an unruly evil full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our God and Father, don't we family? And with it, we also curse men. Men who've been made in the image or the similitude of God. Now out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. But my brother, these things ought not be so. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brother, and bear olives? Or a grapevine bear figs? <laughs> Thus, no spring yields both salt water and fresh. And all God's people said, Amen. Controlling the tongue. You may be seated. Brothers and sisters, story is told of a pastor who had a member in his church who was a notorious gossiper. Yeah, she would hang on the phone most of the day sharing little tidbits of information, information to anybody who would listen. One day she was so bad she got convicted and came to the pastor and said, Pastor, the Lord has convicted me of my sin of gossip. My tongue is getting me and everybody else in trouble. Pastor knew sister so-and-so and knew she wasn't serious because she'd do this every now and then. He says, so well, daughter, what do you plan to do? She said, I think the Lord wants me to put my tongue on the altar. Calmly, the pastor waited and he said to her, daughter, there ain't no altar in this church big enough. <laughs> Did you catch? The woman's sin was so big, her heart was causing her to constantly get in trouble. James is writing this letter to the Christians in this book because apparently there were some members in the church that had a problem with their tongues. And James had already warned them in chapter 1 to just be the kind of Christians who are swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. He told them also in that same chapter that the believer who does not bridle their tongue is not really religious. See, the power of the tongue is one of the greatest powers that God has given to you. With the tongue, you can praise God, you can pray to God, you can preach the word and you can lead lost people into a personal relationship with him. What a privilege. But with the same tongue, you can tell lies and ruin a brother or sister's reputation. You can also break somebody's heart without ever laying a hand on them. See, the ability to speak words is the ability to influence other people. And to accomplish things that God wants you to accomplish. 
in, in order to impress on us the importance of controlling our speech as believers, James in this passage this morning, he gives us six pictures of the tongue. He says it's like a little bit, you know, that thing that goes in a horse's mouth that turns it. He talks about it being like a little rudder on the back of a big ship. He gives you a picture of it's like a fire. It's like a poisonous uh, animal. He says it's also like a spring or a fountain. It's also like a fig tree. He's giving you images to think about when you think about your tongue and how it is used in your life as a Christian. Now, you can put all six of these pictures into three meaningful points, and that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give to you today. Number one, we want to talk about today, the tongue's power to direct. Number two, we're going to talk about the tongue's power to destroy. And then number three, we'll land the plane looking at the tongue's power to delight. Can I give them to you again? The tongue's power to direct. The tongue's power to destroy. And the tongue's power to delight. Let's unpack it as we go. Verses 1 through 4, the first point. The tongue's power to direct. Somebody holler, direct my tongue. He says, my brethren, let not many of you become teachers. Knowing that. As teachers, we shall receive a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many things. And if anyone does not stumble in word, then he's a perfect man. And there are the ones who are able to bridle their whole body. But indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their whole bodies. Look also at ships, he says. Although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder, mm-hmm. wherever the pilot desires. Beloved, when we first come to this point of the text, we see a warning here to the Christians who are scattered abroad as James is writing this letter. And the warning is, it seems, uh, Sister Carmen, that everybody in the church wanted to be a teacher. Or a spiritual leader. And James is warning them, not all of you should want to be teachers. And the reason why is, you need to know that those who teach like I'm doing, have a stricter judgment. There's a judgment we all going to face for the deeds we've done in the body as Christians. But mine's going to be a little tougher. In other words, he ain't going to put the preacher on a curve. Come on, you students that know what it's like to get graded on the curve. Some of y'all are like, what? Well, if you get graded on the curve, the one with the highest grade kind of mellows out. And that means if you got an F, you might get a D plus. Y'all cast. He graded on the curve, so you barely made it by the curve. Ain't going to be no barely judgment for the teacher. He says all the teachers have a stricter judgment, so not all of you should want to be one. Now, I don't know why they all wanted to do that, because I don't want to do this. But perhaps they were impressed with the authority, 
or the prestige of the office. And they forgot about the tremendous responsibility and the accountability that comes with doing what I do this morning. I'm grateful that you may think I make this look easy, but it's not. See, those who teach the word will face a stricter judgment. Why? Teachers must use their tongues to share God's word. And as easy as it is to commit a sin with your tongue, you're going to also be just for what you taught with your tongue. Can I say some more? James says, furthermore, teachers must practice what they teach. You just can't be saying one thing and then doing something else. I ought to get some help right through that. Otherwise, your teaching becomes hypocrisy. See, Think of the damage that can be done by a teacher who is unprepared or who is not spiritual or don't live a spiritual life up to par. You ought to be able to say, that's my pastor because I know what he teaches, he lives. Secondly, in verse 2, he says here, teachers are not the only ones who are tempted in sin. No, every Christian must admit that we all stumble in many ways. Hallelujah. I want to ask the question. I better not do it though. Just good, huh? How many of y'all perfect in here? Raise your hand. Lie about to say you just lied in church. <laughs> According to James, everybody, somebody say everybody, stumbles. Now, according to James, the sins of the tongue is the top of the thing of the list that make you stumble. So you might say, I don't drink, I don't chew, I don't hang with those that do, but you gossip all the time. And that just caused you to stumble. Am I making sense here? He says, but the person who is able to discipline his tongue gives evidence that they can discipline their whole body. Now let me see who's perfect. Guess what? You ain't perfect. So bring it down when you start to go there about somebody. Look at your neighbor and bring it down. The James here, he says, this person will prove that they are mature and perfect men. Thirdly, he gives us two examples of what the tongue is like. He says, and he gives the examples of two small things. But they are small things with great power. He paints the picture, first of all, of a rudder on a ship. You know, the rudder is that little thing at the back of the boat that turns, makes the ship turn. If you've ever been on like a cruise ship, the rudder is is quite big, but it's small for that big ship. And no matter what is facing the ship or trying to blow the ship in one direction, the rudder, hey, there it is, keeps that thing turning from one side to the other. He uses another example. He uses the example of a bit. That bit, that little thing in that big old horse's mouth makes the horse go to the left or makes it go to the right. He says the tongue is just like that. Are y'all with me here? It's a little thing. Okay, I'm, this is going to be kind of an object lesson, but grab your tongue. Your hands clean? Gra- grab your tongue. <laughs> If your hands ain't clean, don't do it, okay? But it's a little thing. It ain't big as your finger. But that little thing 
controls the issues of your heart. The human tongue, like the bit and the rudder, must overcome the contrary forces of life that try to make your sinful nature misbehave. Okay, you working on Okay. Your, your tongue, right? Your tongue can give your sinful nature ammunition. Your heart may be thinking something, but if you just hold your peace, it won't hurt your neighbor. Are you with me here? Some people think, oh, it came out of my heart, but yeah, it didn't have to. Does that make sense? Come on, talk to me, Amber. Ain't nobody going to be honest with him with me and you today. Here's what I want you to know. The circumstances around you and I today that would make us say things we ought not to say don't have to work in your mouth. You can hold your peace and not cut the one who you want to cut or embarrass the one you want to embarrass. Here's what I want to say. Sin on the inside of you and pressures on the outside of you are seeking to get control of your tongue. Here's what I notice. But when you have Jesus, I'm going to give you some good news here. He can control your tongue. I ought to have a witness right here who say, Pastor, ooh, back in the day I would have chopped him up and laid him down. I know I'm saved. <laughs> Jesus can control the tongue. So then with Jesus, you don't need to fear saying the wrong things or even saying the right things the wrong way. Sometimes Jesus will keep you from saying the right thing the wrong way. When he's Lord of your heart, he's sitting on the throne of your heart, then he becomes Lord of your lips too. That's how you know somebody's Christian. Not by coming in here. Because there's some people in here. Horrible. They sing with you. They pray with you. They in your online Bible study. Horrible people. Their mouths are filled. Of guile. And drama. And lies and gossip. And that's how I know they ain't born again. See you can't be born again. And your tongue be on everybody. You can be in the building, but being in the building don't make you a saint. I said it. You can tell him I said it. And the Bible is bagging me up. Can I say some more here? Look, look. When Jesus Christ is Lord of your heart, he's Lord of your lips too. You watch what you say. And if you say something wrong, you fix it real quick. Baby, I'm sorry. I don't, I don't know where that came from. I shouldn't have said that. Will you forgive me? That's evidence. That's evidence. We've looked at the power to direct. Let's look at the power to destroy. When you look at verse 5, you see here, 
powerful illustration. The tongue's power to destroy. The Bible says in verse 5, so the tongue, watch this now, is a little member. Y'all catch it right there? And it boasts great things. He gives an example. See how a great forest kindles or lights a little fire? And the tongue, he says, is a, is a fire. It's a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles your whole body. And it sets on fire the course of nature. And it is set on fire, look at that, by hell. Boy, that's a good illustration. He says every kind of beast or bird or reptile or creature of the sea is tamed. And has been tamed by mankind. Mm -hmm. Every beast. But no man can tame the tongue. Yeah. It's an unruly evil. Yes. And it's full of deadly poison. Story is told, Sister Tina, of a friend who was leading a group of visitors to California in the, to the great national parks. Yeah. And they came to a section of Yosemite where a fire mm -hmm. had burned acres and acres of the property. And the people were blown away at how ugly and devastating the damage was from the wildfire. One of the tours asked the tour guide, how did this happen? And the man said, with a small little cigarette butt. And he gave that analogy to say one little piece of fire like that has done that much damage. And that's what James is trying to tell the church. He said, look, the tongue is a little, but it's like a little fire. And it has the capability to wipe out an entire congregation. I wish y'all listening and lean in with him. Your words can start fires. You didn't intend for it to do that. But guess what? You have no control. We were coming home uh, from visiting my baby boy yesterday uh, over the grapevine. And when we got there, we got this alert on our phone that there was a fire happening in the grapevine. And as we drove for miles down the grapevine, you can see where that little bitty blaze mm -hmm. had took out half the mountain. Y'all know I was already in my sermon. Right, right, right. I was saying, my God, if words do that, I got to watch my words. I wonder if there's anybody here that'll be honest with me. Don't raise your hand. I don't want nobody to know your business. But you can say, yeah, I remember the time I hurt some people with some stuff that came out my mouth. Okay, you don't want to be on that side of it. I remember the time somebody hurt me with what they said. Beloved, James is warning the church here, be careful with what you say. Be careful with your words. Be careful for running the second leg of the gossip column. You have no idea what the 
those words will do to some innocent person. I got Bible for my theology. David said these in Psalms 39. He said, I said to the Lord, Angelus, I'll take heed to my ways that I might not sin with my tongue. He said, but my heart was hot within me. And while I was musing or mad, the fire burned. And then I spoke with my tongue. David. If David, a man after God's own heart, has that experience, you know you and I going to have that same experience. I wrote myself a note, Reverend Zunica, a hot head and a hot heart can lead to burning words that later on we will regret. Secondly, James reminds us in this text that not only is the tongue like a fire, but also like a dangerous animal. It's restless. And, And he says it cannot be ruled. It's unruly and and it seeks its prey, then it pounces and kills. And get amen. Now, ladies, don't get mad at me. I'm just using this, okay? That's why women are a little bit more dangerous than the brothers when it comes to the mouth. Y'all know what? Y'all got more words than us. Come on, brother. Say amen. Back a brother up. Y'all got me out here all by myself. Amen. I ought to have a right. Amen, Pastor. <laughs> I don't know, brothers. I've been in an argument with my wife. As soon as I try to let one go, she. <laughs> and I bet, yeah, but I. <laughs> and then she'll throw one in like, what? Why you mad? <laughs> she didn't just whoop me up with her love. I had to just walk away, man. I'll just. Let me collect my thoughts and I'll come back. Words. Am I right, ladies? But on serious notes, those words are your gifts, but they can also be bad. Especially when your heart is on fire to say what's wrong. Can I say some more? Then he uses an illustration he names animals, beasts of the field. He say they can all be tamed by man, but the tongue can't be tamed. Isn't that something? Wow. When I think about this passage in this text, James is trying to teach the church, be careful with their mouths. Be careful with what they say. Because that tongue is dangerous and it can destroy the fellowship before the fellowship ever has time to develop and mature and to grow. I wish I had time to run that rabbit. Okay, thank you so much. Mothers, your tongue can cripple your children and debilitate them before they ever even have a time or a chance to mature. Daddies, your tongue can break the spirit of your boy child before he ever has a chance to become a man. That's why when the Bible talks about speaking words of affirmation, you ought to be able to speak words of affirmation 
over your kids because the same thing that can tear them down can build them up. Are you with me here? Tell your neighbor, use your words. Use your words. We've looked at the tongue's power of direction. We've looked at the word, at the word, the tongue's power to destroy. Let me land the plane now looking at the tongue's power to delight. And then Pastor Zunaga is coming with the invitation. In verse number nine, the Bible says this. With it, he's talking about your tongue. We bless our God and our Father. And with it, we also curse men. Imagine that. Men who have been made in the similitude of the image of God. Out of the same mouth, he said, proceed blessings and cursings. So my brethren, these things are not be so. We ought not do this. Then he asked two rhetorical questions. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Can a fig tree bear olives or grape figs? No, and springs shall not yield both salt and fresh water. When you come to this final portion of the text, James gives us insight into the contrasting things that the tongue can do. He says it has the power to delight as well as destroy and direct. The first thing he says is that sometimes the tongue can give God praise. Just like we just got through singing, I'm grateful, 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 right? And sometimes it can curse those who are made in the image of God. Zunika, if I'm being honest, sometimes they happen in the same building. You just finished praising him, but get outside and let somebody have it. Woo. I didn't get no amen, but I'll take that woo. Sometimes the tongue can be refreshing to the one who needs a cool drink, and other times it can punish the thirsty person. And then he asked that rhetorical question Can a fig tree grow grapes? Can a salt spring give out fresh water? The rhetorical question answers no. These comparisons that he gives to you and I are powerful because James is trying to get you and I to get control over our mouths. Why? God needs your witness in the earth. That comes from your mouth, out of your heart. But what the sinful nature wants you to do, I think it's the best way to say it, Sister Ray, your sinful nature wants you to be, here it is, a potty mouth Christian. You know a potty mouth. Okay, I ain't got to explain that. Have you ever listened to one though? A potty mouth Christian will engage in gossip at the same time talking about pray for sister so-and-so. She got this problem. Came out the same mouth. Y'all with me here? Then he says, it should not be so in your life and in my life. And I want to say, but if it is so, you and I got some work to do. We got some repentance to do. James is telling me, Mother Cindy, 
Angela, is this possible to control your tongue? But the Spirit of God has got to have control over every area of your life. See, our speech is no accident. What we say, we say on purpose. I heard a very interesting story. I, I'm tempted to run all, all kind of directions on this, but I don't want I'm gonna try to stay in my lane. I heard a story on National Geographic about the snail. Everybody know what snail is? Mm -hmm. Did you know the snail has a powerful weapon? Well, you're smarter than me, I didn't. They showed it in slow geographical motion. When the snail unrolls his tongue, the note says that the snail has 3,000 sharp teeth on his tongue. And they're razor sharp. And this is how the snail eats and destroys other creatures. It unrolls his tongue and the tongue lands on its prey. And then when he pulls it back in, it slices him to death. That's a cold illustration. You're right, kid. Here's this harmless little creature that you think can't do no damage. I said, boy, if that ain't my tongue, I can dress it up, put a bow tie on it, wear my priest. Come on, talk to me. Y'all with me here? My Jesus peace, as the young people say, and get somebody back and shh. Cut them down with my tongue and then put a little amen on it. Dangerous is your tongue. And this little tool that this snail has, he keeps rolled up. And you never even know. You have it. Look at that name in next to you. Just go, mm. They got it. They got it. I'm closing now, but I believe James had heard the rumors about what the scattered church was doing to each other and the damage that was happening in the congregation. I believe he was aware of how the sinful nature works in the body and how trouble is caused, not by what people do, but what they say. And so James writes this piece in this book because the tongue is a deadly enemy. And it's one that is in need of taming. This tongue will keep people from coming to the cell group. It'll keep people from being a part of the Bible study. It'll keep people from coming to church. A lot of y'all think I run people away from the church. Not so, beloved. They like me. That's why they can't. But the reason why they don't stay probably is on your role. That's how deadly the tongue is. And it's in need of taming. Watch out for your tongue. Why? It's more powerful than you think. It's a little thing. But Brother Bobby, it possesses the ability to kill. One last story and I'll let you go. Dr. Wilmer Chapman, a great preacher, minister, he told the story of a friend of his, Dr. Howard, who was from Australia who was preaching at this church he had just got called to, Pastor White. 
and he was preaching this Sunday morning on sin. And uh, one of the elders in the church came up to the pastor and said to him, Dr. Howard, great message. You know how they do you after you preach. Right? Well, ooh, pastor, never heard that one before. Right? Good, 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 good word. But he said, pastor, can we just talk openly to you? We really don't want you to preach about sin because it makes our kids have a guilt complex. And we don't want them to really grow up, you know, with a guilty complex about what they do. So maybe if you just kind of, you know, talk about making mistakes and not speak so boldly about sin, it might be okay. Brother preacher in his office reached back on the shelf and he had a little bottle. And on the brother came up, it said strychnine. Mm. He took it off the shelf and he said, Brother Elder, let me show you something. You see that bottle? He said, Yeah. He said, You see where it says strychnine? He says, Yeah. And then look on the bottom of that label. On the bottom of the label, it said poison. He said, What you asking me to do with my sermons is to change the label. And if I change the label, it still don't change what's in the bottle. Sin is still poison. And it will kill the person who partakes in it. Are you with me in here? I'm laying the plan, but I'm so glad Jesus didn't change the label. At Calvary, he didn't die for your mistake. He died for your sin. That's why we preach the cross. My tongue put Jesus on the cross. My tongue caused Jesus to give up his life that I may live. Don't call that a little white sin. It's still sin. And all sin is what Jesus came to die for. Now can y'all help me close it out? One Friday on a hill called Calvary. They stretched him wide and they dropped him low. Jesus was nailed to the old rugged cross for not one of my sins, but for all of my sins. Sins in the past, sins in the present, and sins in the future. That's what makes him an all-consuming savior. He was without sin, but he became sin that I might be set free. He died for the stuff you said yesterday, this morning, and you might say next week. Sin is what caused him to give up his life that you and I might be born again. Now I got a question for you. Didn't he die? I said, didn't he die? And the Bible said they took his body down, put it in a borrowed tomb. Y'all know why it was borrowed? He wasn't going to need it very long. Because early, Sunday morning, with all power, of heaven and earth in his hands. He conquered death, he conquered hell, and he conquered the grave. And he rose victorious. Why? So that you and I could rise victorious. So that you and I could have access back to the Father through his Son. Can I get a witness right there? Listen, when you're witnessing, don't change the label. Sin still kills. Ask God to give you power today to control your tongue. Power today to watch what you say. 
proud with your day to make your heart behave. We pray all day, make the devil behave. Well, let's add one more. Make my heart behave. Make my mouth behave so that I can be the believer you want me to be. High five your neighbor, tell him I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. Would you stand with me for a word of prayer now as Pastor Zunica comes with our invitation? Father, what a hard lesson today. But we're looking for a new way to live. We're discovering all sorts of things about ourselves. And we want you, Lord, to help us today to control our tongues. We've learned today that the tongue, though it's little, it's like a bit, it's like a rudder, it's like a fire. And it will destroy. It wants control of our old nature. But we want our old nature to die. We don't want the old nature, we want the new nature. And so today we stand in solidarity with one another and in obedience to your word to confess that we need you. We need you, Lord. We need you to help us control our tongue. Help the husbands not speak harsh to the wife. Help the wife not to speak disrespectful to the husband. Help the parents not to be bullies with their children. Help us, Lord, to be loving and kind. Help us to treat others as we want to be treated, and that starts with our mouth. We're sorry that we've been poor witnesses. We've praised you with our tongue and then cursed people with the same tongue. We need you, Lord. This message both convicts, challenges, and charges us to be mature believers. And we need the help in our life if we're going to be the light that shines in the dark world. While we're standing, if there's one here who does not know you, we invite them to make a decision. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. While you're standing, Pastor Zunoga is coming at this time.